Hello, everyone. Welcome to That Triathlon Life podcast. I'm Eric Lagerstrom. I'm Paula Findlay. And with us is our good friend, Nick Goldson, music producer, Grammy nominee, age group triathlete extraordinaire. And the reason this podcast was so successful last week, 100% because of Nick. Okay. So. Okay. It's it's just not. <laughs> Everyone's like, you have great podcast voices. And we're like, no, we don't. Nick just you made them sound good. You, you First of all, you guys have great podcast voices, but you know what dawned on me like halfway through the week is that I think most people that listened, they didn't realize, they thought I was like a one-time guest. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Nick is here to stay. <laughs> yeah. Very sorry to inform you all that I'm here for good. <laughs> Hilarious. It went to very me, well. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. No, I was, I was just going to say what you just said. We are blown away by the response. We were very nervous to A, do this, and then B, put it out into the world. And the feedback that we got, the response that we got, the rankings that we got. <laughs> Let me just interrupt right there and say that we are 29th in sports podcasts on Spotify. That Hello. Was, I don't even understand that. That at, is so crazy. At least for like one day. Yeah. And I mean, like, no, we are, we are currently 29th. No way. Yeah, okay. we're currently 29th. Well, I mean, going into it, I mean, I thought anyway, like literally everybody out there goes, oh, we're so funny when we have a conversation. We should have a podcast <laughs> and just talk about things. And I was just fully prepared to be embarrassed and shut it down after one week. So, I mean, th- to anybody who watched or I mean, listened and downloaded, thank you. That's amazing. And uh, I don't know, we'll do a second one here. Thanks for being a repeat it's, listener. It's funny that neither of you guys can get the watched out of your brain because Paula at the end of the first episode said thanks for watching yeah, Eric yeah. just now said for everyone who watched it's yeah. so we are such YouTubers yeah so if, yeah. You, so, if wow. you, so if you did just like stumble across this and you haven't seen our YouTube channel that's where we start and kind of what our our bread and butter is but uh, we're trying out podcasting so and and let me go a little further with that for people who don't know Eric his name is Eric Lagerstrom he is a pro triathlete and uh, just like, well, not not like maybe other sports, pro triathlete, pro triathlon has a very wide birth of is birth the right word or breadth? <laughs> birth uh, a wide, a know. wide range. <laughs> it has a very wide range of skill. Whereas I think to a certain extent, to play in the NBA, every like there's there's like everyone is very 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 good. Mm-hmm. Whereas in pro triathlon, everyone is very, very, very good, especially compared to amateurs. But there is such a huge difference between the people who are winning races and the people who are technically pros but are at the back of the race. And Eric, it would be in the uh, very high, very close to the top of that in the sport. And Paula, her name is Paula Finley. She also is a pro triathlete and also is at like the very, very top of that. So these aren't just, I didn't just find these two on the street. Okay. These guys are the best of the best. Thank you for that wonderful intro. Of course. That was, yeah. He's and, right. And I, and I am an amateur triathlete that would make even the slowest pro seem like Superman. So, so Paul and I are a couple. We're a unit. We both do professional triathlon. Nick is here to keep us from getting in a fight on our own podcast and bring the entertainment value. So. That's right. Okay, let me tell you what else I'm impressed by. So we basically started this podcast with the hopes of keeping it very conversational but answering your questions. And I opened up the TTL customer service email the day after our release, and it was filled with questions. I've never seen so many emails on that account. 
We tried to go through them and sort of filter out the ones we're most interested in talking about, but just a huge thank you to everyone who took the time to send us an email. We're going to try to get to most of them if we can, and my prediction is that emails will become less frequent as we go on, so we'll, if we don't Wrong. get to your question today, we might get to it another time. But oh, thank it's you gonna so get much. worse and worse and worse. <laughs> Paul's going to spend all her days and nights reading through emails. Reading through comments or questions. But Nick's written out the, I don't know, maybe most relevant or entertaining ones for now. Well, some of them were like 20,000 characters long. Yeah, some people so wrote I kind of, a novel. <laughs> I think I got I shortened them a bit. But, yeah, but yeah. yeah, we have a bunch. But before we get into that, I was just kind of wondering, what what's your guys' life like right now? Like, are you still kind of base phase, just doing fun rides? Are you doing structure? Are you doing long rides, long runs? How much do you care about the quality of yeah. the training that you're doing right now? Yeah, our coach is sending us a schedule that progresses every week and probably gets three or four hours more of training each week. So it started out very basic, like a 12-hour week, basically an hour up to 20. So yeah, the rides are structured, but also leave room for riding outside since the roads are so dry now and nice here in Bend. And unfortunately, the snow's not great, so our skiing career has come to an abrupt end. Oh, no. Yeah, it's very sad. <laughs> but we're, we're able to run outside. I mean, the positive of bad skiing is great weather for running and riding outside, so we're not too sad about it. Um, yeah, it is. It is like uncharacteristically warm right now. People are calling it Junuary. It's. Uh, I mean, it could, it could switch at any point in time, but we're we're very blessed to be able to ride and run outside blessed. at the moment. Blessed. And you guys actually <laughs> hashtag blessed. And you guys actually have the same coach, which isn't necessarily that common for uh, triathlete couples, right? No, not common, but very convenient because we we do. Aside from Eric doing a little more volume on the run, we pretty much have the same schedule, which makes it really easy to train together. Yeah. Oh yeah, speaking of which, Paula, your foot was kind of hurt last year. Kind of. Like, yeah. It was I mean. fully, fully broken. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Catastrophically non-functional. <laughs> right. It, we, <laughs> Catastrophically non-functional is great. Um and so how are you, I mean, how much are you careful about that right now? Is it even in your mind when you're running? Yeah, for sure. It's something which I'm all, sure you, most of you can relate after having an injury. It's really, even if there's no pain, it's easy to not think about it. So a good strategy for that anyway, for me is to run with other people and just have conversation while you're running. And it's really easy then to forget about, oh, is my ankle hurting or how do I feel this very second the whole time? So that has been a really good thing is to have other people to run with. And in terms of, I'm making sure I only run every other day right now, so not every day. And it sort of gives me a day in between to heal any swelling that may come up and just be really confident heading into each run that it feels good. So I'm pretty much past the point of fear where I'm like, is it going to hurt today or not? Uh, That's yeah. the worst, but still definitely being careful and really only running like three hours a week. So very low okay. volume. Yeah. 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 I think it should, I think we could note as well that like one of the primary reasons we moved here to Bend, which is in Oregon, is for trail access and we like Paula hundred percent never touches road, asphalt or anything. And that's that's a big component as well to be until injury. until it gets closer to a race, then I'll do some runs on the pavement. But in terms of just like base miles, I think a really important thing for me is just running on soft surface. So easy to find here. And Eric, you kind of have like some hip stuff that flares up every once in a while, but you've been started to do a bunch of like Strength work, stability work. Uh, how is it feeling right now? I know it, it seems like it only kind of becomes a problem in like a race scenario where you're like really pushing it, but. Um, like, 
Uh, there, there's a great Louis C.K. skit where he's like, you know, going to the doctor and they said, no, you're just old now. Like, this is just your life. You're like, you have incurable, shitty ankle. And yeah, just take a bunch of a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to weigh that against how much, you know, you care about your digestive system. Yeah, and I, exactly. But that's a little bit where my, my hip is at. I've got a torn labrum and it's just, it causes me pretty much daily discomfort or tightness and stuff, but I'm working through it and I can, I'm pretty much never fully injured to where I can't run, but yeah, with enough PT and kind of some exercises and stuff, I can manage it and do as much volume as I want. So I remember when I was starting in, in like running, cycling and just thinking, yeah, these people who get injured are like 90 pound nothings. I'm not going to get injured. Like I'm, I, I did You're a healthy like boy. A yeah. And that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. You know, yeah. I, I got, you know, a bunch of different injuries. Like, do you have, for people who are listening, who are not veterans of the sport, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's so hard because every time you go out for a run, for me, something else kind of hurts. And most of the time it means nothing. It goes away and doesn't mean anything. But then some of those times, the thing is the thing that sticks with you for the rest of your life. So do you have any tips for someone who's kind of struck, maybe getting into it and hasn't been injured yet? That's the hardest part for me is distinguishing between just a soreness from maybe a strength training workout or something, you're right, that hurts one day but goes away the next day. And often with injuries, that's what people think. They're like, oh, it's going to go away. It's fine. I'll run through it. I only have 2K left. I'm going to finish this run for sure. But then it turns into something. So I guess my guideline for that is if it's hurting two workouts in a row, the same thing, that's a red flag. Um, Because there are definitely things that get tight and then you know, overnight get better. So um, distinguishing between that and something that's potentially serious is the challenging part and ignoring it is what gets people in trouble. So that's, that's kind of scary. I, w- I would say that like uh, of the times that I've been injured, I can definitely look back and go there. There were quite a few moments along the pathway where I was going, I just definitely don't want to want to believe that this is an injury yeah, and maybe yeah. just maybe one more run and it'll go like you kind of have a good sensation and coming back to remembering like, each workout like is not going to be the one that like makes or breaks what happens later in the season and trying to remember that like I can I can do a 30 minute run instead of a 60 minute run today that's not going to be the thing that changes my race in September you know right Nick tell us about you're back in Santa Monica now how's your training going oh uh well today I did exactly nothing because (laughs) I I had I I'm supposed to pick the way that my training works is I pick a race and then I buy a plan that is the exact amount of weeks before the race that I am now. So what race are you doing? Well, that's the problem. I have not picked uh, this year. I want to do my first full distance triathlon, an Ironman. You yeah, didn't even tell us that yet. This is a I, hot... I told Eric. I think. <laughs> I don't think you told me. This is this is no, breaking really? news. <laughs> okay. Well, breaking news. I. You know, it's funny. I told Lindsay. I told Lindsay uh, Corbin, what? another pro triathlete that we're all friends with. Well, <laughs> because <laughs> I asked her what, because neither of you do full distance. You guys are like seventy point three specialists at the moment, which is uh, also known as a half Ironman. And and for for people who who don't this know, is for like Trixie. there's a. <laughs> <laughs> Trixie, if you're listening. By the way, I just want to put it out there that Trixie listened to the podcast. Trixie Mattel is a drag queen, and we talked about her last week on the podcast, and she's a friend of mine. She would love to be on the podcast. Because yes. the only person in her life that cares about running is me. So she gets to talk to two other people that care about running. She's in heaven. <laughs> so she wants to be on the podcast. Stay tuned. She's coming on at like sixth episode at the very soonest. We got to be good at yeah. this. 
I, that's what I told her. I said, we want it to be like super polished before we get her on here. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, as I was saying, the half distance Ironman, uh, it's not like the difference between running two miles and four miles for most people. It's, it's a really a completely different style of like training and preparation and racing and the amount of racing you can do. It's really very different. So Eric and Paula, it's not, it's not like they're not fit enough to do a full distance. It's just a kind of a, a different style of racing. But as an amateur, I thought it would be fun to do it uh, just once, probably. And I haven't picked my race yet, but I asked Lindsay because she's an, an incredible champion, an Ironman champion. <laughs> and I asked her about what race she thinks I should do. And I gave her a few options. And I'm not sure. I think maybe the one in uh, Lake Placid in New York. Mm, have I'm heard good sure. things. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to pick a race. And you know what? I'll, I'll say this. By next... By the next podcast, I'll have it. Yeah. And if anyone wants to give me any, oh, I, I feel like I'm opening up the floodgates here. But if anyone wants to give me their favorite Ironman <laughs> course email to do, Nick. yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't you email can, you, me. Yeah, you can message me. My, my Instagram is just my name, which is Nick Goldston, S T O N. So if you want to tell me some whatever you think is a good first race, and I don't care how much elevation or whatever, I just want it to be uh, memorable and beautiful. So whenever I have that, then I'll, buy, I'll get the training plan locked in and I'll start training. Sweet. I think that's what's important with an Ironman, especially just enjoy the where you're going. Right, yeah. I'm not trying to do it fast, I don't think. I just would like to not die halfway through the marathon. That would be nice. You just got to go get your dot tattoo. Oh my God. Uh, we just found out, uh, I'm not going to blow this guy's name up, but we just found out that someone we know who does have an dot tattoo did not do an Ironman. He did a like duath no yeah a duathlon Ironman and got an M dot tattoo yeah I, the <laughs> M dot tattoo is that's 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 a pretty bold statement as it is and to not be able to back it up is you got to do the swim bro I don't even yeah I don't I don't have know what to say he should it's he has another tattoo part. on his other calf you got to do the swim bro. <laughs> I don't. Know, I want to know who this is. He's gonna but you can get an story. asterisk on his other calf. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, well, anyway, whatever. you know, real, real quick, real quick. I don't know how how much this is supposed to be publicized, but your deal with Wahoo, like that's official now. Wahoo. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, they're pumped. one of the most recognizable brands. Yeah, yeah we've been. We started talk, started talking to them late into last year, which was kind of a weird time to negotiate contracts. Everything kind of happens in the fall, so. We used all their gear. They were super generous. They set up us up with kickers and the rival watch and all the bike computers we need. And we used their equipment all of last year. Totally loved it. Have always been a fan of the brand. And then thankfully this year they wanted to work with us too. So we have like a final, you know, formalized contract. And uh, yeah, we're Wahooligans. Wahooligans. That's <laughs> that's great. And and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but and we can cut this out if I'm not. Paula let me borrow her Wahoo Element because my bike computer. Yeah, I don't know if that's. I gifted Nick a Wahoo Element. I'm allowed to say that. Okay, (laughs) Um, and it's awesome. It is way better than the bike computer I had before that stopped working. Is I mean, for starters, like the the computer I had before, if you had a. Uh, we could just say it. There's only one other computer okay. that you could have There's possibly had before. Okay. It was a Garmin 520. And th- if you put a route in there, it doesn't tell you which direction. So like if your route crisscrosses or like 
like a figure oh, eight. No. Like you don't know what where is where. Yeah. Like that, that that's the first thing. And also like syncing stuff to it always oh, took so long yeah. with the Wahoo with the element. It's like instant. You change it on the yeah. on the phone, it's instantly there. I yeah. love that about it. That's what sold me on the bike computer was the ease ease of use of it. And I don't personally use the map function very often, but just the simplicity of being able to change the data screens, because I like having a different screen when I race versus train takes like one second to change it's it. It's so easy. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. So, really not to, good. like, honestly, it's, I don't want this to sound like a sponsor plug, but we're, we're so, so impressed. And same thing with the kicker. Like we've never had an issue setting it up. And I also often get a lot of questions of like, what's the best trainer to get? And even before I worked with Wahoo, I would definitely say the kicker just very, very easy, never breaks. It's, yeah. it's the standard. The, the kicker is the standard. The biggest thing when you're using gear a lot is that it just, it has to work each time. And I would hundred percent take less bells and whistles for just something that does just Agreed. works every time. Yes. Low stress. Garmin has a lot of bells and whistles that are appealing, like attaches to Spotify or whatever, but that comes at a cost of being. Wahoos also can control your Spotify from your watch. Oh yeah, they nice. can. Never mind. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's so some wild and crazy things that are not necessary, and I feel like Wahoos were just made by athletes for athletes. You can't pay for like, your coffee with your Wahoo watch. There you go. Which you don't need to do. No, no I mean, <laughs> how often are you going out without your? I mean, I'm not I'm not running or biking without my phone ever, and that has Apple Pay on it, which is the same thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. Before we move on to the official questions, let me just answer a question that I feel like we got a lot. Will we have guests? Yes, we will have guests on the podcast eventually. And her uh, name like I said, is Trixie Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We are, we are going to get Trixie on this podcast if it's the last thing we do. We don't want it to be an every single episode thing, uh, but we, we definitely will have guests yeah. On the podcast. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to to bring on some people that um, that other people that listen might know, and we can bat around some stuff like having Talbot on and doing a little bit of talk about YouTube or that's a good that idea. kind of thing. I think would be would be pretty fun. Versus, I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, so first question is from David. He said, "You both have really great, but sort of unique run form. How did you develop your form and speed, or did that just come naturally to you?" Eric, you ran cross country or something. I don't remember, but Paul, like both of you, I'd be really interested to hear about that. I think I think this is going to be pretty interesting because I think we're going to have completely different answers. Um, I would personally say that I'm a, definitely not a naturally good looking runner. I've got some great pictures from high school, but you are naturally good looking. <laughs> Well, that's what matters, right? <laughs> um, I've got some great pictures from high school where I'm, I just look like I'm sitting in a lawn chair and my arms are flying all over the place and it just is like a catastrophe. But I had the engine from swim team to, you know, just like go hard um, versus Paula. I mean, like history has shown, especially over the course of last year, she can run approximately one mile and you know, the two months before a race and go out and run a one eighteen half marathon and, and just... It's 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 mind blowing. Versus, I feel like I would have to do you know consistent sixty about mile weeks. Form. I know, but I'm just I'm just saying. I think I would call you a little bit more of a natural runner than I am for sure. Totally. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Next question. Okay. <laughs> no, I personally don't ever think about my run form, and I've never tried to change it. I it is something you can change, but it's not as important as say technique in the pool in order to go faster. I think. Trying to change your run technique. It's one thing to try to maybe try to change your cadence, but changing technique is very hard because it takes a lot of effort and conservative thinking to like actually make a effective change. So 
yeah, it's really, uh, I don't have any tips for. <laughs> right. I do. It is hard. Eric's What'd arms you do a funny thing. I you do. can You can definitely change your Wait, arm carriage. I do the same thing with one of your arms, right? Yep. Yeah. You do this like, I do the same exact thing. And I've had a running guy look at it before and be like, you need to fix that. That's weird. So, I'm like, oh, I guess I do that. I mean, it is, it's it's really interesting to note, though. There's plenty of Kenyans out there that have, like, super unconventional arm carriages, but they're from their waist down. It's it's beautiful. And typically when a funky arm carriage comes in, it's because you're trying to counterbalance something that's going on from below the waist, waist. Yeah. below the waist. And I think ultimately as long as, like, the leg swing is, is going pretty well, the arms... Don't matter as much. Less, less important. That... Is so interesting. Agreed. So, that's, like, that's really you want to make sure that you're not trying to force it and use your arms to, like, essentially, swimmers will do this a lot because we're just used to muscling through the water with our arms, and you'll try to start throwing your shoulders around to get a little bit of extra speed. And I think that is a thing that you should try to not lean into with trying to use your shoulders to to propel yourself forward and keeping that more relaxed. Um, and that, that's like, like Paula said, and like you just said, like, that's the thing that I've, I've struggled with a lot is this kind of screwy arm throwing around thing. And the thing that I enjoy doing the most to work on that is, is putting a treadmill, like putting a mirror in front of me on the treadmill. And then I'll just kind of work on trying to keep my shoulders relaxed and typically focusing on that relaxing and not like scrunching them up and everything will ultimately just have everything flowing better and kind of clean that up rather than like oh, I'm trying to tense down and keep my arms from fly, flailing around, just relaxing. It, it is interesting that when I, I'm, I was, as you were saying that, I was trying to think about pro triathletes that I think have really great run form. And there are very, very, very few pro triathletes that look good when they're running. And even like the fastest people, like, I mean, Daniela Reef is like, Really, yeah. one of the best ever, if not the best ever. Well, and she doesn't look like a pro runner when she's running, right? No. A lot about Ironman running is efficiency, and efficient running isn't necessarily beautiful running. A lot of people maybe shuffle a little more than like a very bouncy Kenyan who kind of like gazelles through the air. Jan is a beautiful runner, but someone yeah. like Daniela, I think, is just super efficient. Same with Heather Jackson, just a very efficient runner and kind of glides along the ground. So might not necessarily look the most beautiful of all time, but it's very good for Ironman because you're wasting no energy, especially after riding 180 kilometers. Oh my God. Yeah. And like the, the big fundamental difference between triathlon run training and, and run run training is that runners are never showing up to the track very fatigued. Like it is our job as triathletes to run while fatigued. So we'll do a tempo run the day after we did a super big, hard bike ride and your legs are always tired, but that's kind of what you're working on. And Unfortunately, that does lend, you know, it will cause some of these like weird things to happen as you're running while tired. Good question, though. Yeah. Thank you, David. That's great. And I, feel, I that's really interesting to hear like the lower half of the body versus the upper half of the body. That I, I find yeah. that to be super, super interesting. Um, okay. We have too many questions for the amount of time that we have. <laughs> um, let me see. Well, and don't forget I, my rapid fires at the can end. We, yeah, uh, can we? I actually have rapid fires for you, Paula, because you ambushed us last time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Um, okay, so I, I thought this would be really funny. Someone asked this. I thought this was a great question. I guess let's try not to go too deep into it, but I, w- I want to hear your guys' biggest bonk story. This is from Niels. He said, give me your biggest bonk story. I don't bonk. Paul is just... Just kidding. False. Paul is just a... <laughs> <laughs> false. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> um, but Paul, can you recall like a, like a good bonk that you had? 
I don't know. I think I have a hard time associating like, wow, I'm so grumpy with that. That's because I'm bonked, you know? So Mm. I don't process the fact that I'm bonked. I'm more like, get me food. I'm so hungry. So we honestly, I don't like long bike rides that much. So I don't do super epic long bike rides and therefore rarely bonk. You're only going to bonk on a bike ride. I would honestly disagree. I think Paula semi bonks somewhat regularly because we like go on an afternoon run a little bit too late because I was editing and she thought we were going to be running at three and then we ran at four, but she had a snack at two. And so it's my fault. Sorry. But (laughs) (laughs) like you can feel the hanger coming on slowly. But if hanger is bonking, then I bonk every day. It's a soft bonk, (laughs) but it's definitely a bonk. Eric, you answer. (laughs) I've been like trying to take this time to think, try to come up with like one epic, epic moment. And like, I I don't know. I I can't honestly think of one. Nick, can you? Wow. Yeah, I, oh, very much. Because it's only happened to me twice. And it's on the same exact stretch of the same road. Okay. I I don't know. I don't know how, but it's, it's this, for people who live in LA, it's, it's stunt. It's going up stunt um, in Malibu. And to get there, you probably have to ride from Santa Monica like an hour and a half, two hours. So not that long, but it's just a lot of climbing. And both times are in the summer, so it's mm-hmm. really hot. And I remember the first time, it had never happened to me, so I didn't really know what, to, what was happening. But I was like, I'm riding and I'm doing an interval. It's like a 20-minute interval or something. It's the third one. And I'm like, huh, the power is going down like a lot. The power meter, I, I literally thought the power meter is reading wrong. Like the heat and the elevation or something is making it read wrong. I'm like, I'm doing like 190 watts, but I'm clearly doing 300 watts, yeah. what it feels like. I'm like, oh, interesting. And then all of a sudden it's like, I look up and everything's like delayed. Like, I'm like, uh-oh, something's wrong here. Nick. So I I got off the bike and like sat in the shade in a tree, but I didn't have any food with me. Yeah. It was a long time That's ago. That's borderline and, like heat stroke. Yeah, know. it was not good. Yeah. Well, what was amazing is that my friend, uh, Katie, who actually helped me get into triathlon, she came back down when I didn't show up for 15 minutes because I was like walking my bike. Yeah. And she just brought up like a, a granola bar. And like literally 10 minutes after that, I was completely back to normal. Revived. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So it was just, I just, yeah, the blood sugar dips a little low and yeah. your brain's like, uh-uh, no more. Right. I don't think I've had an experience like that. But I will say one time when I was riding with you, Nick, in St. George in the heat. <laughs> oh, and boy. I wasn't racing, so we were doing I was doing a three or four hour ride or something and going with you. And you're a good cyclist. So uh, not on that ride I but wasn't. But it was so hot. And we literally just stood in the seven eleven, like under the air conditioner and we're setting off the door ringer. And the guy is like so mad at us, <laughs> eating Snickers happy. and yeah. like Gatorade. Like I don't think we were necessarily food bonked, but we were so hot. And yeah. that's those are the bonks I remember is the heat and like inability that was, to continue. That was hot. Yeah. By the way, just so everyone knows, my five, ten, and twenty minute heart rate records of all time were set on that ride <laughs> with Paula. <laughs> Because of yeah. the heat, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it was because the power would. I didn't set any power records. It yeah. was just heart rate. That's a that's a good like FYI for people racing St. George. I don't know if it's like that in May when the World Championships are, but it can get so hot there. So do some heat training. St. George is is wild for that. Like one day it could be hurricane force winds and rain, and the next day it could be a hundred degrees, and it just 
you just don't know. I mean, remember at Worlds when Eric was in the run and it's like a perfectly nice day and then all of a sudden it is pouring like it, it is the end of the earth. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And then it went away and it was like a sunny yeah. day. Very weird. I feel so bad for anybody, all of those of you who were on the bike at that point because I almost got blown over up on Red Hills Parkway like while running. Running. It was yeah. gnarly. Imagine spectating. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> Paula kidding. and I were really in the, we were in the pits. Um, okay, next question. Uh, this is from Claire. Hey, Paula, Eric, and Nick, I love the podcast. Great to hear more detail about the training we see on the vlog. As an international listener, my question is this. If you could live anywhere outside of the U.S. slash Canada, still as pro triathletes, where would you live? We have a few European hotspots over here, for example, Leeds in the UK and Girona in Spain, which seems a bit like triathlon meccas, but the whole world is your oyster. Thanks and looking forward to the next episode. Girona, Banyole, so that was probably the first couple of things that came to mind as you were reading that question. Yeah. I would say a no to Leeds due to rain. I would rather train somewhere where it snows than somewhere where it rains a lot. Um, but yeah, I agree. Girona is a great place. I also really like training in Noosa in Noosa, Australia. Australia. It gets yeah. probably very hot in the summertime, but beautiful place to open water swim and good riding. Something about Australia just feels uh, so cool to me. I don't know what it is. Exotic. It is just so far away. Yeah. It's so, and there's a lot of great triathletes that come from there and totally. really great swimmers. So. Yeah. Yeah. The downside of it is it's just so far away. It's kind of a intimidating trip to make but um I, I think the really interesting spin on this question is where we would live if we could be do athletes because like the most complicated part about being a triathlete and like with the part time that we spent in our van and everything is finding a pool that you can swim at and as soon as you go okay all we have to do is bike and run so many new possibilities open up and everything like i've always been super interested in, in going to mammoth for a training camp but they have no pool there things like that like there, there are quite a few places that would be interesting if you didn't have to worry about pool access. Yeah, even like you could kind of go off the grid too and yeah. like somewhere beautiful in nature and just bike and run every day, which is kind of what I was just doing in Tucson, but you never have to worry about a pool. That totally. would really switch things right. up. Swimming right. ruins everything. I agree with that. I can get behind that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a great way to end that question. Yeah. Next. Swimming, ru- swimming ruins everything. Next. <laughs> we have a few friends who are really passionate about swimming, so I hope they don't get insulted by that. We can we can also I cut think, that out. I'll, I think I'll switch it to understand. swimming is great. <laughs> okay. But what's funny is that is for people who don't know, both of you are. I would say, I mean, both of you are pretty well rounded, but it does seem like you're slightly above average swimmers com- compared to the, your other two sports. Would you say that's true, Eric? You've told me before that you feel like you don't have a strength per se, but it seems like swimming is your, probably your strength. Um, yeah, you're probably right. I, I definitely came into the sport from a swim background, but I did start triathlon when I was 12. So I think I've done a pretty good job of, of leveling things out. But if, yeah, if you just had to, I, I think at like world championships and stuff, I'll be first to pack out of the water pretty consistently. Um, the bike is a little bit of an if, you know, if I'm like top five cyclists out there, top 10 cyclists and the run is kind of depends on the day, less consistent for sure. Paul, actually, this was going to ask you guys. This was a little question I had. If you were, if if you had to switch now, currently with your fitness and your career, to cycling or running or swimming, forget about the money, forget about any of that. Just like what you would like to do. If you had to do mm-hmm. just one, which one would it be for each one of you? 
I think being a professional runner would be the coolest, but I do think I would be best at cycling. I, I've we've talked about it a little bit, actually, inspired by like Lionel's uh, hour record attempt. I think Paula could have a, a pretty good shot at if she focused on it for a couple of years, like the Olympic time trial team. I just said this to someone yesterday. I was saying how I thought Paula could be a pro T tier. I would, I would think so. I, I on the other hand, definitely could not. <laughs> I think the one thing that would be a limiting factor for me, and the, obviously this is something I could work on, is my skills. So, but that's why TT. It's maybe a little less that totally, comes but into I, play less. I think at like the Olympics, the TT riders also have to do the road race. I don't think they take TT mm. specialists. I, I think you would be totally fine doing the road race. I don't. I think contesting a sprint is another thing, but you just have to get to the finish line with the bunch and, yeah. and whatever. And well, one of my all-time heroes in life slash sport is Clara Hughes, who's a cyclist, Olympian from Canada, multiple medalist, and also is a medalist in speed skating at the Winter Olympics. And she actually lives down the street from my parents in Canmore, so I see her once in a while, but she has red hair. She wrote an amazing book. She's just like the most inspiring person and reading through her stories of cycling and me having some success at races with, you know, cause of the cycling Like it's just, it is a very cool sport. And I don't know exactly like what the depth of cycling in Canada is, but it would be a cool, I, I did consider it when I was sort of retiring from Olympic distance triathlon. What about trying to go for the Olympics and cycling? It like crossed my mind briefly, but, um, yeah, women's cycling is, is hard. I don't know much about it. Eric, if you had to go back and do just swimming, just biking, and or just running, knowing what you know now, I feel like I know the answer to this, but you go ahead. I think I could have done I think I could have done pro mountain biking. Yeah. But we just unfortunately where I grew up, we didn't have any mountain bike trails anywhere close. We didn't even have like a BMX park or anything. But that was fully what I was most into as a kid: building jumps in the front yard and going off of them. And and I love being in the woods and the technical aspect. Like my one gripe with with triathlon is that there isn't a lot enough technical aspect to it to where your your skills versus your engine play any sort of role. So mountain biking, it does seem like it's all, it's it's all engine based. I mean, you, even some of the like the best cyclists in triathlon, we know that they do almost all their training indoors. Yeah. At, at least in the seventy point three, the Ironman distance, like ITU was definitely more fun with that. You got more pack dynamics and cornering played a big part. But um, yeah, that would that would be it. And then real quick, if you had to start again, so forget about like what you've now gotten good at in life. I would be a cross country skier. Seems like you already are a professional cross-country skier at this point. Actually, I briefly mentioned in our last podcast that my new cross-country skis came. So the next day, I went cross-country skiing with Lindsay, and I was so bad. It was so horrible. But in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be like Jesse Diggins, like so good at this. But I was, it was icy. It's it's a really technically hard sport. But Oh, really? I kind of yeah. assumed that if you could ski, you could cross-country ski. It's just the fitness element is what's different. No, it's very technical. And there's no edges on the skis. They're very light. They're not super stable. So is, there's an element of learning the technique, kind of like swimming. I'm fascinated by the sport, though. I think watching cross-country skiing, like Olympians do it, it's so beautiful and it's so hard. Like they just look like they're working harder than any oh other. There's some footage out there of this guy who went to the Olympics for cross-country skiing, but he qualified in some like interesting, weird way. Like it was in their country of origin or something, <laughs> and he had only ever done it on the roller skis. Yeah, no. and his first time ever wearing the skis was in the race, and you just see the footage, what? and he just like 
he can't even stay up. Yeah, it's so oh, different. It's, it's so crazy different. to watch. How do I have a question for us? How do we feel about people switching citizenship to represent another country at the Olympics uh, yeah. if they have a parent from that country? I personally yeah. am against it. Yeah, that's really it's a really good point. Maybe this is too point. controversial enough to cut it out. But I mean, no, we, we love controversy on the podcast. I wish there was like a, a forum section or something that we could just say, ready, go, everybody else. Um, you should I, have, to, on it. You should on have it. to endure Canadian winter for at least two years before representing Canada. Okay, so so that's... that's <laughs> you just like really opened up like where this really came from. There, there are some people that are non-Canadians trying to represent Canada specifically at the Olympics. And and we were just kind of going, oh man, you, you think you want to be a Canadian, but you've spent your entire life on a beach somewhere training for triathlon. Like the real Canadians have had to suck it up and, and run <laughs> in minus 40 in Ontario, you know, or whatever. So it's, it seems kind of opposite of the, the spirit of the Olympics, yeah. right? I think the whole point isn't just who's best. It's like we're, we're, it's like this beautiful, epic, huge competition. And when you see someone from Cameroon, you want them to be from Cameroon. When you see someone from Russia, you want them to be from Russia. When you see yeah. someone from Canada, you want them to be from Canada. Not all those athletes are just like from the U.S. and have one parent that's from Cameroon, one parent that's from Russia, and they're just... <laughs> You know, yeah. taking the path of least resistance to get to the exactly, Olympics. Exactly. Yeah, we're not talking about people who grew up in Cameroon and then when they were 20 moved to the U.S. It's, no, that's, that's legit. Different, so. Yeah, that's like cool. Like Flora was born in Bermuda. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Next. All right, Paula. Here's, Can I do my rapid fires um, Excuse you very much. I'm rapid firing <laughs> you, okay? So first of all, give up coffee or give up sweets. Which one? Sweets, maybe? Oh, chocolate. There's no right answer. Included in sweets. Yeah. Yeah. I am the mornings where I don't have coffee before swimming, I truly swim worse and it's harder. Or my perceived exertion is higher. Yeah. So I think it's for sure, I know it's a performance enhancer. I do think there might be something to coming off coffee for a period of time and then reincorporating it for a race and getting like a boost from it. That's what Lindsay does. But I could definitely live without. Sweets, if I had to choose, I'd rather have coffee. What about you? I'm That's cringing, a good question. I'm cringing in disgust for everyone that can't see me. <laughs> well, what would you pick, Nick? Oh, I already don't really drink much coffee. Yeah, so that's you're easy. right. You're yeah, right, you're right. just not eat that. I, th- I think I would, I might drop the coffee. I, I love cookies and I do really like sweet. I think I could probably give up e- either one, but if I got rid of the coffee, I would bring in like yerba mate tea. Right. Some uh, alternate caffeine source. So I'm not sure that's and Maybe would, would I allow fair. decaf? I don't know. Or do you guys don't even, no, you guys don't even think Honestly, I think our decaf fa- is coffee though. So no. I think yeah. like my favorite part about coffee is is more the process of coffee. I think uh, plenty of days I can get by without it, but I love like the Swedish concept of fika, like going to coffee. We, we have an espresso machine in our house, but we still love going to a coffee shop, saying hi to the barista, Doing the whole hangout and getting the you guys are laughing because Paula's <laughs> Paula can't go with thirty minutes without eating bread. I swear this this bread ahead of dinner time here. <laughs> Should we make sure we do this after dinner in the future? No, no, no. I love it. It's very it's very us constantly eating at any moment. I couldn't give up sweets. This is the no quiet. <laughs> oh, that's this right. This is the quietest I've ever eaten a baguette. Right. <laughs> Secretly, <laughs> that's great. Um, okay, yeah, I agree. I mean, I also love the the fika, like the process of coffee, right? I I love that as well. Yeah. It's just for me, coffee has some like weird mental 
things sometimes. It gives me anxiety sometimes, and I and I can't really figure out what it is. I'll tell you why. So I'm a little cautious about it. I'll tell you why. Because your natural status is... <laughs> Your natural energy I'm already level hyperactive. Yes, is already above that at which most people arrive at when they have coffee. <laughs> so I just turn into a, like a, a muskrat. I don't know. Okay, next question. One to 10, how large of a role does music play in your training? Oh, I have a good answer to this. 10. That's my answer. I used to not be able to do a single run without headphones. Like if I was running with people, I'd have one ear in. If I was on the treadmill, both ears blaring. Any run, iPod. And I feel like it was really impacting my racing in a negative way because I would never hear myself breathe. And I sort of intentionally did it because I could drown out my breathing and I felt like I could push harder if I couldn't hear the feedback of how hard I was working. But then I'd get to a race where you're obviously not wearing music and it would be really, really hard for me to listen to myself breathe. So ever since then, I've completely ditched running with music and I think I race better because of it. And I don't find I don't mind it either. I sort of like the peace and quiet of going for a run without it. And a treadmill's different. Like, yeah, I'll put on the speakers when I'm on the treadmill, but not my headphones. Cause I do like being able to hear my cadence and hear my breath. I would agree. I would actually agree with the not doing headphones while running thing. Like I'll listen to my if I have my phone with me, I'll have it just like on speaker mode, but playing kind of lightly just to have that like the tempo and stuff there maybe. Um, and then on the treadmill, the same thing, just have a speaker going, but it almost feels claustrophobic to have the headphones in. Yeah. That's, that's something I was going to talk about is I always run with headphones if I'm by myself, Yeah, but I've had this happen where during very, very difficult efforts, my instinct, like I, I'm, I have to take them out and it's not a, uh, it's not a, the physical presence of the headphones. It's the stimulus of the music. Mm-hmm. It's like my brain is already like at a hundred percent and having music that it has to like decode, right? Yeah. It's just extra information that your brain is trying to work on. It's just, it's like not what I want. I would also say that's because you're a musician. And when you listen to music, mm-hmm. you're not just passively listening to music. You're really listening and the lyrics and the melody and everything is like something you're very in tune with. Whereas some people just have it on and don't even hardly pay attention to it. It's just noise. The bike is another story, especially trainer rides have to have music. And sometimes the speaker will like die halfway through an interval and I'll be like, Eric, go get the charger. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need music. So riding on the road with headphones, not a fan of, but if I have like hill repeats, I'll put one earphone in um, or a podcast in one ear. But yeah, music isn't isn't as essential to my training as it used to be. However, I obviously love music and have it playing a lot of the time. But totally, but I, I, the, don't rely on it. I thought about it because yesterday I, I went on this trail run with this this friend of mine who was he's like top five LA marathon pretty much every year, really really fast runner. Yeah, and he never ever runs with music, and you know he's doing like eighty miles a week. Yeah, I cannot imagine doing that much. But he's like, yeah, I can't. It's just it makes me feel claustrophobic. He can't even run with a hat on. Oh, wow. He's like, weird. That's, how, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just he, he's, he's, I, I really like that question because it really collided our worlds of music and did. sport. Does Trixie run with music? Yes. Well, Trixie does uh, sometimes podcasts, sometimes mm-hmm. music. And her for her first couple marathon cycles, she would do like guided runs. So it would have like music, but then it would have a voice to be like, okay, now step it up to whatever pace for these next five minutes. That's Um, wild. And that that helped her a lot. In fact, we were talking about that, how she doesn't have that now and she's feeling a little less motivated. Interesting. Wow. Mm. Um, Okay, last little thing. 
both of you, do you still think you'll be trying to do races when you're 70? 7-0? 7-0. Because there's people that are 70 doing races right now. I don't, I don't think so. I, I'm not even sure I'll be doing races necessarily when I'm, when I'm like 50. I think I'll be in, in, have done a lot of racing in my life and it'll be much more like a completion mindset. And I would like to do 100 kilometers of trail running maybe, but I don't even, probably not competitively, just to be out there and do it and complete. Right. On the flip side, you never really lose your competitive edge. For example, my mom is in her 60s, and she still races rowing. She grew up rowing. She was on the national team for rowing, and she still loves it. So I would say if my body allows it, I would still go in races with different goals, obviously. But I really admire people that can go in their 50s and still run like pretty fast half marathons. But was your mom ever—I mean, I'm guessing your mom was never at the level that you guys are— mm-hmm. In your sport, right? She didn't go to the Olympics, but she was on the national team. I don't, yeah, maybe she. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Because what I was going to say is, I I understand what Eric's saying is like, once you've done the professional triathlon thing for many years, doing it when you're 50, it's like, well, why don't I do something different and try to accomplish that and achieve that? And like doing a 100K trail race or something, that seems like a really cool and different achievement. That's the thing about triathlon is you have swimming, biking, or running to choose from. You could do any of the three. And still race later. Well, do you guys have any final thoughts other than us being extremely thankful that so many people downloaded the podcast Would, and gave well, it a rating? Do you and, call those rapid fires? Because I don't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. Just well, I'd say we didn't. We d- did did not do the best job of rapidly firing answers. Like we could have been faster. Right. Well, maybe we'll do rapid fire by Paula every other podcast. How about that? Okay, that's great. But truly, everyone who listened, we. We are so grateful. It is really fun for us because we talk to Nick a lot anyway on FaceTime. So that's what this is basically. <laughs> <Isn't it? laughs> we're just we're just now we're just now letting you in and on our yeah. personal conversation. I like to think that we're talking to everybody and Nick at yeah. the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we I represent the masses. Yeah, after listening to or after seeing the res, the results and feedback from the first one, there is a little bit of underlying stress going into the second one. Like, can we do it again? Is it going to be as good? No, nah, so. no stress. Trying to keep it fun. No stress. But thanks, thanks for the TTL TTL Nation is extremely <laughs> patient and dedicated to both of you. I cannot handle so it when think, you call it TTL Nation. It's I'll get used to it. <laughs> I can handle it every time I listen to it because I listen. Maybe like half of those thousand listens are me listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> but every time uh, you said that, I would just crack up. I think I think Eric said it first. hundred no, percent. A, no. a long time Definitely ago. Not. I think you said it first, nope. Eric. Eric does watch The Bachelor, so. I watched The Bachelor one time. <laughs> TTL Nation. I prefer The Bachelorette. <laughs> well, because I'm thinking of like Vape Nation, like Vape Nation, you know, like people who vape and they're like really no, into it. Definitely don't know. No, that. I'm thinking of Bachelor Nation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't vape and I don't watch The Bachelor, so I don't know where it came okay. from. Um, anyway, if you have questions, guys, first of all, please keep it less than 20 pages long. <laughs> And send it to that triathlon life brand at gmail.com. Paula has to also train and she has the vlog, so she can't spend hours and hours and hours reading the questions. Although we're very thankful for the questions we got. We do love it. We yeah, it's it's great. And if you want to start and end them with a compliment, we also won't turn those away. <laughs> Which most of them do. So that's yeah, good. They do. Also, one last little shout out is that our new travel mugs dropped today. So those will still be in stock when this podcast drops. So the, go those check them are out. those are so cool, and you can find them at thattriathlonlife.com. Yes. 
Little plug, yeah. little mini the, plug. Oh yeah, those are awesome. I have one real quick story. I had, uh, I was doing a ride. Sorry, forty minutes later, <laughs> one hour later, um, I was doing a ride in Tucson, and I made to myself some tea, and it was too hot when I got to the trailhead, so I couldn't drink it. So I put it in the travel mug, closed it up, did the trail ride, drove home that night. Totally forgot about it. The next morning, like probably twelve hours later. It was still hot in there when I opened it up. Those still things too are hot amazing. to drink. Still too hot to drink. Still too hot to drink. <laughs> it was amazing. So they work really, really well. Well, thanks, Nick. Yeah. Boom. Drop the outro music. Thank you for listening. Tune back in next time. Maybe it'll be one next week. Maybe the week after. We're trying to talk Eric into doing this every week. Thanks well, for thanks watching. for listening, guys. It's not, not watching, watching, Eric. <laughs> thanks for listening. Shit. <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye. That's funny. <laughs> thanks, everybody.